This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. A quick heads up, if you want to grab the show notes from this podcast and all the conversations we have, head over to our website, sandyboyproductions.com. Click on the tab, Why Is Everyone Yelling Under Podcasts, and um, you'll see a pop-up and you can just sign up for our newsletter, which just sends you the show notes every single month or week so that if there's something we talked about in this episode that you want to check back on or a book that's recommended, you can just get that delivered to your inbox once a week so that you can know that all that information is going to be delivered to you. I know a lot of times we're multitasking when we listen to podcasts. So uh, that is an easy way to get signed up for the newsletter. So today my guest is Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. She is a clinical psychologist, mother of two. She's a wife and she's the creator of Be Connected. She's got a great online community at Dr. Tracy D on Instagram. Nearly 200,000 people are following her over there, getting sound and scientific relationship advice. She's spent over 15 years in practice working with individuals and couples and training with renowned relationship experts. She has her own podcast called I'm Not Your Shrink, and she has a book coming out called I Didn't Sign Up for the Stories of Unlocking Old Patterns and Finding Joy in Our Relationships. She explains about that book and like the cases she walks through and also gets vulnerable and talks about her own story as well. All right. I think you're going to learn a lot about yourself, your relationship with your partner, and also we have some kid conversations as well. I may or may not bring up the fact that one of my kids wrote, I hate you in my Mother's Day card. Okay, that happened. Um, And Dr. Tracy walks me through that and gives me some good takeaways from the experience. Uh, All right, friends, if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you are listening so potential new listeners can find us. This podcast is supported by Gooder. If you are looking for some amazing sunglasses, look no further than Gooder. You can go to gooder.com slash another. Um, They have every style and color you can think of. My favorite are the Breakfast Run to Tiffany Shades. They have aviator style. They have fun colors. I love a fun color when I'm out for a run. And the best part is they're not expensive and they don't break easily. Those are two very important things to me. The second I buy an expensive pair of sunglasses, they will break. Uh, So you can save. You save on your shipping, which is a big deal because shipping is expensive. When you go to gooder.com slash another, use the code another, and that will save you on your shipping and handling, which is a big deal. Go grab yourself a couple pairs and enjoy some new summer shades. Gooder.com slash another. Code another for free shipping. And when you support sponsors of this podcast and our network, Sandy Boy Productions, you are supporting our work. So for that, I thank you. If you'd like to support this podcast and any of the shows in our network on a deeper level, you can also go to Patreon, just patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And when you support that Patreon page, you are supporting the work behind all of the shows and Sandy Boy Productions. All right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Tracy. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Dr. Tracy Dalgleish on the show. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you. Okay. I love following you on Instagram. Um, Sometimes it holds me a little too accountable where I'm like, oh, I need to communicate a little bit better with my husband. But um, I wanted to start this conversation and ask you, have you watched the show Shrinking? Shrinking, I have not. No. So I, I know it's on my to watch list, but honestly, Lindsay, I went through this five month no TV watching last year because mm. I was writing my book. I was so in my book, writing it out in into the stories that I have missed out on several months of TV. So I'm coming back. But what what was the piece? Oh that my you gosh. Were, like I have to ask. Well, as I was like researching for this interview, I was thinking 
oh my gosh, she's got to watch Shrinking. I wonder if she's watched it because it's about these three therapists. And it, I mean, it's a comedy and it's their relationship with each other and their clients. And it's really, really funny, but they do weave in some like important conversation pieces and, and relationship things in the, in the episodes that like, I've been like, oh, and it's really made me think about it. So I wondered if you've watched it, it's Jason Siegel, uh, Harrison Ford. It is so good. I will um, watch it. And so for for you and for anyone who loves the inside scoop in terms of what it's like to be a therapist, yes, my book is giving you that piece. Love so it. I have taken four case studies and written them out and shown how I've helped them to change. So if you've ever wondered, what do couples fight that. about? What does it look like inside a couple's therapy session? What does a therapist actually think in these hard moments in therapy? And then also the nugget that I've added into this piece, making it incredibly vulnerable to me, is I've written my marriage into this as well. So I'm the fifth case study in the book. It's called I Didn't Sign Up for This. <laughs> That's so mm-hmm. good. What did? How did you like do the case studies though? Did you just like ask a client that you were comfortable with and be like, hey, do you want to like share this? And then did you use just like code names or something? So the way I did it is it's composite characters. So there are a certain type of presentation that I work with. It's almost, I don't like to say put people in boxes, but whenever I'm sitting with a client, I'm thinking, gosh, Mm. you know, I wish you could see the other client before you. I wish Mm. you could hear the story from this other person. And so I don't have anyone's specific story. So people will read it and think, oh my gosh, this is me. (laughs) And it's not because the stories are so relatable and all information has been changed and no one will be able to say, that's completely me. Oh my gosh, what happened here? I didn't know that my therapist was writing a book on me. I didn't write the book on any one case, (laughs) but in the stories of putting them together, it's like, right, how many couples have I worked with who are tackling the mental load? How many couples Uh have I worked with who are tackling the issue with the mother-in-law or what Uh it means to be a blended family or what it means to navigate, you know, personal anxieties and people-pleasing behaviors. So I I know as people are listening, they'll be like, right, yes, we're tackling that. Yes, we've also been trying (laughs) to deal with that. So I'm really excited for people to get their hands on that. Okay. I also want to hit on you not watching TV for five months. I once knew a woman who was training to qualify for the Olympic trials and she gave up TV while she was trying to hit that goal because she was like, I have to eliminate, you know, something that's going to make me better at this one thing. And that means like sleeping an extra hour instead of watching TV at night. And I'm always so intrigued by people who are able to do this. Like, obviously I could not watch TV Mm. for five months, but I, I'm like, I want to be passionate enough about something that I actually give it up for five months. How did you talk yourself into that? Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, I think it might have been a coping mechanism in terms of trying to stay focused on the book and get the writing out. It it was really interesting, uh, especially us coming out of COVID. And there were these periods where, particularly us here in Ontario, we had several lockdowns. And Mm -hmm. there was one January where we were locked down again. The kids were out of school and it was the worst two weeks. And I was – every night I said to my husband, Greg – Let's just watch one more episode. I just, I, I know what I'm doing right now. I'm numbing out. I'm avoiding. Mm-hmm. I just need to do mm-hmm. this right now. And for me at that time, that was about giving myself permission and compassion. And before we jumped on, you and I kind of talked about acceptance and commitment therapy. And, and part of that really is acknowledging that we're going to struggle and lean into our struggle and mm-hmm. not this resisting it and fighting it. So in that moment, I knew what I was doing. I was struggling. We were in the depths of this lockdown of kids not being in school. I did not like anything. And I was like, I'm just going to be here. Because when I can be in this moment and allow myself this, I know I'm going to come out of it rather than fighting and resisting it. And oftentimes what we do with any problem in our life is we like grab the rope and we're like trying to hold on to it. And the principles of acceptance and commitment therapy are drop the rope, step back, and let the pain exist in front of us. So what I was doing in the summer then, giving up TV, was in that moment saying, you know, I know this isn't working for me and I need to find a way to step back from this and then put my focus into what's actually filling me up. And I found that while watching TV, it was was that, you know, sometimes we just need to. It's a way to numb out. 
But I slept better when I was reading. My dreams Mm -hmm. were more vivid when I would read or do a meditation before bed. And it's just that slowing down and pausing and asking yourself, what choice do I want to make right here? Mm. What would feel most aligned with what I need? So now that you're like, you're finished with the book, when does it come out, by the way? September 12th. Yes, okay, it's on September Amazon 12th. already. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. so you can pre-order. Yes, yes. So, I mean, isn't it crazy you finish a book and then you're like, okay, it'll be out in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's amazing and overwhelming all at the same time. Yeah, because you're like, it's done. Let's, let's get it out there. Um, how have you like, I know this is like such a really like not super deep topic, but I'm just curious, like how have you like gotten back into like balance with that? And like, do you feel oh, I'm watching less just because like I was so intense about not watching. Mm-hmm. I'm watching less because I was so intense about not watching. And and, yeah. and truthfully, Lindsay, every night it's the – I have this conversation in my head, oh, gosh, it would just feel so much better to just watch mm-hmm. the show, to just roll mm-hmm. over and say, Greg, turn the show on, let's do it. And then it's the slowing down and asking myself, what's going to feel better for me? And I think at the end of the day, it's listening to ourselves and really giving that to ourselves. And there are some mm-hmm. days where it's just been a day and I say, yeah, I need to numb out. And and I want people to, to understand as they're listening is that sometimes we need the scrolling. Sometimes we need to numb out. But we don't want that sometimes to be all the time. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging that we need to have all of these tools in our toolbox and that we're not grabbing mm-hmm. for the same one every single time. Whether it's TV, whether it's the glass of wine when the kids go to bed, whether it's the walking away when your partner says something hard, right? It, it's that there are times where we need these tools and times where we need to tap into other tools. So it's an internal battle every night, which really is just a slow down. Give yourself the pause before you react and ask yourself, what is it that you really need and how will you feel tomorrow? Okay, I'm going to do that after I finish shrinking. I have two episodes left. (laughs) I keep thinking that around um, succession right now because I love watching the family dynamics and, you know, the interpersonal pieces where there's so much codependency and fusion between family members. Oh, it's intense. I highly recommend it. Some of it for me too, like the other night I, um, my son was laying with me and the other kids were downstairs with their dad, like watching TV. And I, I was about to watch a show in bed knowing they were all downstairs watching hockey and I didn't want to watch hockey. And then he gets in bed with me and I was like, what do I want him to see me do? I don't, I want him to see me reading and not watching yeah. a show in bed. And just cause I want to model that even though they know I watch shows in bed all the time. Um, and he read his little book in bed and he's not super passionate about reading, but I was like, okay, you want him to be a reader, model the reading. And I, and I enjoyed it. It was nice. And I probably did fall asleep quicker. We had this magical moment a few weekends ago, well, maybe a few months ago where I really wanted to read this piece of my book and the kids were roaming around. They're like, oh, we're bored. We're bored. I said, you know, right now, boredom is good. Boredom's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. It will move us into discovering what we need next. Let's not avoid this feeling of boredom. My kids are seven and five at the time. Um, And so I'm with my book. And then, because when they see on us on our phones, right, it's stimulating. They mm-hmm. want to do the same thing. They want to explore all yep. that as well. And so I had my book and I'm lying on the couch. They go and grab their books and then they lay on the couch beside me. And we just had this beautiful 20, 25 minutes of reading books on our own. And my little one, she can't read. So she just flipped and looked at the stories and she's heard the stories before. And I read my book and it's beautiful to model it to our children, what it means to slow down and go inwards and to pause and rest. I wanted to model rest to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that whole topic of boredom. I like, I like scream it from the rooftops. I'm like, we have to let our kids know how to be bored. And it is let hard ourselves because know how to be bored. We're always distracted. Like we always want to find the distraction. Yeah. We're walking around with our heads in our phones or on, with a podcast on. And um, so I often, when I get at my kids for like, hey, it's okay if you're bored. I'm like, oh, are you modeling that? Probably not very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things you do, like you talked about in your book, you're a couples therapist. Mm-hmm. And so how'd you get into that? Like what? Was it something in your childhood or in school? Like, why were you like, this is what I want to do with my life? There, there were two pieces. One, I'm the younger sister. So I watched my sister of five years older than me 
I watched a lot in terms of the interactions between her and my parents. Um, she would come into my room. I can remember being, I don't know, 12 and she was 17 then. So she would talk to me about like, I don't know, am I dating this guy? Am I not? And here I am as this 12-year-old saying, well, why don't you just ask? Why don't you just tell them what you want? <laughs> so I think I've always been really curious about people's behaviors and why we do the things we do. And truthfully, Lindsay, I wanted to go to med school to become a psychiatrist. And in this med program that I was in in my first year of undergrad, the idea of having to go through all of the med school, cutting people open, which I didn't want to do, just to get to psychiatry wasn't appealing to me anymore. And then I started to explore uh, working with children. And that that was interesting to me. And then I stumbled into attachment theory. And then I stumbled into attachment theory in relationships. And from there on, I have just been so fascinated by how we repeat these old patterns and wounds from our childhood. So I mean, there's still this Mm -hmm. kind of childhood piece in there. And we repeat these patterns until we become aware of them. Sometimes some people don't ever become conscious of them. But it's so interesting to me how an event can happen and there are so many different ways we can experience it. We can experience it as if it is happening in front of us. We can experience it through the lens of a parent from 20 years ago doing the same thing or an ex-lover or a sibling or best friend. And then what do we do to reach out for support? And then how do we offer that care to other people that we love? So it's just been a long-standing passion of mine to really understand what makes us tick in our couple relationships and where is it that we get stuck? Okay. I have like, okay, where do I go with this? Because I have so many thoughts and feelings (laughs) with what you just said. Um, One, I'm thinking oh my gosh, about my own childhood because my um, my parents are very de- independent of each other. They just mm-hmm. do their own thing. You mm-hmm. know, they've been married for 40 years, but like my mom does what she wants, my dad does what he wants, and they're not always together. And I sometimes wonder, I'm like, is this why I feel so codependent on my husband? Mm. Like I want him to take care of me. I want him to do all the things for me because my mom just did it all herself and I saw her constantly just like figuring everything out and doing everything with the kids and kind of being the like primary, primary, primary caretaker. And I like crave that, like we're in this together so much because of that. How much of our childhood does affect like what we end up wanting out of our partners? Yeah, I think that's a good question. It, it really depends. I think it depends on what our own feelings and needs were as children, how we felt seen in the world whether our caregivers gave us what we needed and wanted, right? Because I think of the story of, say you come home and you've just had a really hard day and you need space as a 12-year-old. 12-year-olds need space, right? In adolescence, Mm -hmm. we need our autonomy. We need our independence to try to figure out what's going on inside of us. But your caregiver is there at the door and your mom says, what's wrong, Lindsay? How was your day? Tell me how your day was. And you say, mom, I can't talk about this right now. I I need to go to my room. I just need some space. And so there are a few things that can happen. One, she can say, I can tell you've had a really hard day. I'm here when you're ready. And Mm -hmm. that is meeting you with what you need. And then you feel seen and understood. Or does mom say something like, oh, Lindsay, you're always being so dramatic. Why why do you have to make this about you? I'm just asking you how your day was. You could at least give me an answer, right? And then you don't feel seen for what it is that you need in that moment. So then the question is, so then what do we end up doing with that? And what do we end up doing with our needs? For some people, if we think of the attachment lens, we then can start to hyperactivate our needs, which means we make our needs bigger and louder. And in partnerships, it can sometimes look like we're knocking on the door, like, hello, hello, are you there? Are you listening? Do you hear me? Like, why aren't you answering me right now? Or we can deactivate our needs and shut it down, which is keeping the door closed, maybe getting defensive, maybe not sharing what we feel and need. But the key here is regardless of what strategy you learned, we still have feelings and needs. It's just whether you put them out there, can you put them out there in a secure way that says, hey, I'm struggling with this right now. I really need your support. Do you escalate them or do you shut them down? Okay. This is so fascinating because I, so we have, our kids are all boys um, and it's been apparent. I don't, I don't know if you, do you know who David Thomas is? 
Okay, he's like um he's a counselor for boys mostly. He works mm. with um adolescent boys. Um, and so he's written books about raising boys. And so I've had him on the podcast a few times. But one of the common themes is always like women tend to be um, like we use a lot more words than men yeah, yes. and we communicate a lot more. And so for me as a mom of boys and then I'm married to a man, it's like I want to like over communicate all the things. And it has been really hard for me to um, not that I should like squash that down, but figure that out in a house full of boys and a man. And so, yeah, it's like, what is the answer to communication when you're wired so differently? And again, that depends. So we can take sex as like male, female is one thing, but then we can also include attachment styles. Then we can also include personality and temperament, things like are, is there high sensitivity? Is there sensation seeking? Then we can also include something like how do you like to process your feelings and needs and emotions? Do you tend to be an external processor? Do you tend to be an internal processor? Right? So we're looking at all of these different factors that contribute to this so that even you, Lindsay, yes, you have four boys, but what might work with the oldest might not work with the youngest. And then let's just mm-hmm. throw in birth order, which the research oh, is gosh. completely not clear on birth order, right? And so really it's so you, confusing. you've got this like – you can use these concepts and theories to understand, but then you also need to have the individual in front of you. And with, mm-hmm. so what's interesting, what I've been coming to – accept in my own parenting journey is just how hard it is to parent my two children. A, because one is a boy, the oldest is a boy, the youngest is a girl, uh, the oldest is a highly sensitive child, the youngest has really big explosive feelings, but the strategies that all of the parenting accounts talk about work for her, but then they don't work for my son, and then I'm a <sighs> therapist, and you throw that in, and so then I'm validating, and I'm seeing the emotion and setting boundaries with my daughter, and she's like, yeah, this works, this is great, but then with my son, it doesn't, right? So it's like, wow, how do we then – it feels like head spinning sometimes, right? Totally. So, and then I think when we bring that back to our our connection with our partner, it really is this delicate balance of how do you like me to share things with you, but also acknowledging that part of a healthy and connected relationship isn't what any Instagram post is going to tell you, but rather how you co-create your worlds together. One of the stories in the book, um, the character's name is Peter, and he is a highly sensitive man. And because this is not a framework that has been talked about when he was growing up, mm-hmm. that this is a man who comes to therapy who shut, who is so shut down and his partner just wants to connect with him. And I know people listening can say, it's me. That's exactly mm-hmm. me. My partner is so shut down. I don't know how to connect with them. And so sometimes what we do then is you try to go in really deeply feeling with them. You must be sad. Are you sad about this? Like, just tell me. You never tell me about your feelings. And then they escalate and up the ante. When this person, this man, is so fearful of their vulnerability that any sign of vulnerability lives right beside their shame, which says, I'm bad. I'm not good. I'll never be able to get this right. Right? So then how do you then bridge this connection between two different people, which is about finding tools that work for you, which sometimes can be like going for a walk and talking about things, which could be something like acknowledging that your partner needs space to process something instead of saying, this just happened right now. We need to talk about it. Hey friends, I want to tell you about Iron Lift by Smart Eats. This is the first powder drink for boosting iron levels. It tastes great, cookies and cream flavor, and it is easily digested. Here's the thing, when you have low iron, it can result in always feeling tired, weak, dizzy, feeling cold. It can even cause depression and thinning hair. There's lots of causes for low iron, and women runners specifically are susceptible to it. And here's the thing, Iron Lift is a safe, easily digestible product, okay? Now, Iron Lift is also made for children with low iron or elders, particularly those who may struggle to maintain weight and are most sensitive to taste and GI effects of other iron. So a lot of people might be prescribed to take iron by their doctor when they find their levels are low, but the iron pills and supplements actually bother their stomach. And so this is a way to get that iron in and not have those issues. If you wanna just try it out, you can go to Instagram 
And if you follow them and send them a DM, they will mail you free samples to try it out before you make your purchase. If you're ready to make the purchase and check out the iron supplement, listen, this is the best deal you're going to get from any sponsors ever. Go to smarteatspantry.com, use the code runner, and that'll get you 25% off your order. Get more oxygen to your brain, muscles, and organs with Iron Lift. Improve your energy, alertness, strength, mood, and appetite. SmartEatsPantry.com. Use the code RUNNER for 25% off your order. And give them a follow on Instagram. Send them a DM. They will send you free samples. Smart Eats Pantry. All right, friends. Back to the show. When When we talk about like disagreements with our spouses. I So I posted this short little video on my Instagram page for Why Is Everyone Yelling, this podcast yesterday, just about like, you know, my Mother's Day. Like, honestly, I'll just be honest here too. My One of my kids wrote, I hate you on my Mother's Day card. Like, mm-hmm. it just like crushed my soul. I was like, really? And then I got into this loop of like, what have I done wrong to raise a kid who would do that? You know, and you, and you start second yeah. guessing yourself and like every decision you've ever made with your discipline and whatnot as a parent. Um, And so I just shared it on Instagram and also shared that I just had a hysterectomy and that like this was just like a confusing, hard Mother's Day for me because like, you know, we weren't planning to have more kids, but like that's gone. And then one of my kids told me they hated me. Somebody's glasses got broken. Like it was like, ugh. yeah. Um, And I never want to be the person that's like, oh, my life is so hard, blah, blah, blah. So there's this balance of like sharing it because you don't want other people to feel alone when they see all these beautiful pictures Mm. of these perfectly dressed children on their mother's day and blah, blah, blah. And we don't see the fighting that went on or whatever. And, um, so I very authentically share that about my, my parenting. I don't call out specific kids anymore because my kids are older, you know, uh, they're getting older. I don't like say this person did this. I just said this happened in our house. Um, but we don't do that with our marriages because it's like airing dirty laundry. It feels like I can't, I'm not going to like share about these fights. It's too personal. So then we're left feeling like very lonely because I think people are more organic about sharing their parenting hard stuff because it doesn't feel more like airing dirty, dirty laundry. Yeah. 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 Can, totally. So can, I, I, it would be a, a miss in, for yeah. me if I didn't say this. I want to reframe that for you, Lindsay, that your child felt so safe to write I hate you in a card oh. to express their feelings. They felt so safe that they knew it would land to you and that that tells me just how safe of a relationship you have with that child. Oh, thank you. And how painful that is for us as parents. And I think, and this is the work I'm doing every single day as even just this morning, my son ran down the hall and slammed the door when I said, please don't kick your soccer ball in the house. Right? Like I went oh into gosh. all of my own shame. Story like, of my life. I was like, but you can't. Like I'm allowed to express myself. And then it's like, but then you go and run down the hall and it's, it's a messy dynamic. But, you know, when we when we take ourselves out of it and we stop personalizing what our mm-hmm. children do, and instead we see what is it that they need. And t- to me, when my son says those things to me or to my husband, I reframe it as I don't feel heard, I don't feel listened, I don't feel seen right now. And gosh, like, you know, what you've just been through in this past week, yeah, it would make sense if one of your children don't feel heard and seen right now. And so how powerful it is that they actually express that, that now mm-hmm. you get to go and repair that piece. But you are touching on the piece of why I sat down to write this book because Mm. nobody, nobody, and and it brings me to tears in a way, knowing just how hard even in our own marriage was during the time of after having children, is that nobody is posting the picture of post-couples therapy. Nobody posts the picture of we just got into a fight and I feel like my whole world is coming down around me. Rarely do I see posts that say, I resent my husband and I don't know what to do next. And yet, anytime I poll my community, over 86% of mostly women in the, in the community will say, I resent my partner. We mm. feel so far apart right now. There's this disconnection between us. And it's become this almost taboo topic to open up and say, it's messy in here. Mm-hmm. And then we portray this perfect relationship when we're with friends, when we're out as a couple, as a family, and then they come into my office and they tell me the real story. 
Mm-hmm. And that leads us to just feel so much more alone in our suffering and to feel so much more pain. And when I wrote that this book, I needed to, to not just tell stories of the people on my couch, but I needed to tell my story too. Because it's, it's not a traumatic story. It's the, the everyday story, mm-hmm. which is even though I know the tools, even though I've been helping people for over 15 years heal their marriages and their relationships, especially after having children, there was just no way that I could have known the depth of what which happened in our relationship. And I didn't want people to feel alone. It's so hard because, like, you don't want – Nobody wants to sit around with their friends and hear everybody bitch about their husbands, right? (laughs) Like there are certain people in your life that can be sounding boards. Uh And at the same time, you want your friends and family to be for your spouse. So it's like you want to have people to like share the hard and like why you're angry or why you're resentful and lonely. Uh But you also want them to like deeply Uh love and respect your partner so that can be really hard which is obviously why therapy is very important I always say to people yes um if your friend is coming to you to vent about the hard stuff please know that you don't get to see the good stuff there is good stuff in there so don't Mm. vilify the other person and I also Mm -hmm. love to play devil's advocate with people and I say you're hearing it from one perspective but you're not seeing the whole story and while your friend is complaining about xyz you don't get to hear how she shows up in that situation, mm-hmm. right? Because we all play a role in it. And I remove the shame from couples who show up in my office, particularly because it's so hard for men to come in. And I say, you are not the problem. And you, the other person, are not the problem. The cycle and the dynamic that you are stuck in is the problem. And the first thing we want to do is to make you, like help you be shoulder to shoulder so that you can look at the problem in front of you And you get to choose us and to choose the we part. And then you get to decide how we move forward in terms of communication, meeting our needs, healing this old stuff. But if you keep – it's kind of like um, tennis, right? If you're playing singles, you're just going to see the ball coming back to you. But if you're playing doubles, you're shoulder to shoulder. You're going to see the ball coming towards both of you and be that team. Yeah, it's – I think that one of – I'm just going to dive into this next topic here because it's been on my mind a lot is um, like when it comes to parenting kids with your partners and when you have different feelings about the way (laughs) (laughs) discipline and response to things should happen. And I think particularly this is probably a hot topic because um, a lot of women I'm generalizing here are on Instagram, are listening to these parenting podcasts, are paying attention to this like gentle parenting movement and reading Uh the books. And we want to like swoop in and do all these things where our spouses might be like old school method doing it this way and you butt heads. And then, and this is, I'm speaking from experience, you find yourself arguing about how to handle it in front of your kids. That's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. We need to remove the perfect parenting piece where we're going to be perfect in front of our kids. We need to remove this idea <laughs> that you you and your partner are going to parent exactly the same. It's just not possible. And that is definitely our generation struggle, right? With all of this yes. knowledge, the like the magnitude of the speed at which this knowledge is coming towards us is so huge that then we forget to step back and say we're still two separate people. So if you do find yourself, so for those listening, if you're like, yes, this is us. Okay, so first, if you have gotten stuck in front of your kids, one of the best things you can do is repair in front of your kids. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be this big thing. And also drop the ego because I know people love to say, well, they don't do it first. And, you know, you have to be the one to choose for you. And so every day, choose in your marriage, I am doing this because I can be a different contributor to our cycle. And one person changing has the possibility of changing everything. In front of your children, go to your partner. You know, love, earlier I was really sharp and I interfered there. And I just want to repair that with you and say I'm sorry. And that's something that I can work on and step out of next time and let you take the lead. 
That's the first thing. Let your children see you repair. When I ask clients this question, when I ask my community, most people say they never saw their parents fix. They never saw their parents say sorry or repair. It usually happened in closed doors. The blow up happened out in front of everybody. Maybe one parent walked out. Maybe anger was simmering. It's always felt, even if it's not outward. But they didn't see the repair. So let's let's be the generation of parents who teach our children what it means to repair because we're modeling to our kids what it means to develop a healthy relationship. And Lindsay, I think of you with boys, right? We really want them to talk about their feelings and needs. I had heard this recently that each generation, we are helping our boys do this a bit more to accept mm. that they have feelings, to talk about feelings and needs so that in the future, they will be with a partner doing this stuff. So that's one piece. The other piece is our own internal work, which is as long as the children are safe, which mm-hmm. means physically safe, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, my husband and I had this rule with our children, have rather, is that when it comes to safety, it doesn't matter how it's communicated. You say, thank you for letting me know and we move on. So if the car seat straps aren't tight enough and I happen to be short and say, hey, you didn't tighten the car seat straps. You have to tighten them. It's a like, you get that mulligan, right? You get that one off. You get to be short because it's about safety for the kids. Mm -hmm. Or you can't let the kids cross the street without holding your hand. That kind of thing, one-offs, right? So when it comes to safety, um... And also physical safety. So, you know, of course, we don't do hitting in our family. So that is if I notice that something is escalating, you get to step in and take that out, right? Mm. But when it comes to the other stuff, like validation, boundary holding, um, the way you might respond to your children in some way, we can't control all of that stuff. We can have conversations. We can share the blog posts. We can put on podcasts in the car while we're together and then talk about it, right? Um, But ultimately, we have to say to ourselves, they're not supposed to be the same as us. And then also, what I love to do is look at the strengths at what each of you bring. So while I might be a deep validator to my children's emotions, I know that my husband can get on the floor with them and can Mm. be silly and goofy and plays hockey and soccer with them, which is just something that I don't do. And we're supposed to have two different parents. One of the things that I was thinking of as you were talking was what kind of like wanting our kids to grow up to be good partners. And obviously they see, you know, what's modeled in front of them. And so then it has me backtracking like, oh, my gosh, like all this baggage I'm bringing with me. But I was like thinking about that a lot yesterday when one of my kids was being like really mean to me. And like what I would say I felt in my heart was selfish. And I was like, I don't want him to grow up to be this like selfish partner who only cares about himself. And so then I'm led to feeling like I need to over communicate what it means to not be selfish to my kids. (laughs) Because Lindsay control steps uh, in. That's the part. Yes. We as parents love control, yes. right? And it's this this kind of sometimes unconscious drive of if I just control my kids now, then I can control that they yep. are going to be respectable, nice, perfect human beings in the world. Instead of letting go of our control and trusting that if we model this enough mm. within ourselves, mm-hmm. within how we respond to things, within our partnership, then we're going to help our children get there. And what's been really neat watching our kids grow is one of the things we intentionally do, two things. One is at dinner time we talk about our gratitude or we do it at bedtime, mm-hmm. one or the other. We say what we're grateful for. And the first time we did it, I mean, I think my kids are like, I'm grateful for TV. I'm grateful this pasta yeah, doesn't have sauce on it. It's like, <laughs> all right, we're getting there. We'll keep going. And now we, we get into some of the deeper values of I'm grateful that we had time together. I'm grateful that we read a story together. Values is, gratitude is one thing, but then the values is the other piece. And so in our family, we talk about one of the things in our family is we really value kindness and respect for others. And, you know, when I say, um, I notice things are left on the table and then Mm. if one of them is like, well, that's not mine. Yeah, I know. And the value of our family is we are kind and we think of others. And so it's been neat Mm. to kind of see this show up a little bit instead of me coming down saying, you need to be a kind and respectful human being. So you better pick up your brother's stuff at the same time. (laughs) I love that. Weaving it in more naturally, really, instead of just like saying, ah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, though, it's interesting because whenever we do this, like, like, let's say three things you're grateful for or something like this, you know, one of my kids would be like, clean water. And like, I'm like, oh, all this stuff is like, you know, he's, he's absorbing it a little bit. But I have one kid who's like, uh, I guess soccer, you know, like, <laughs> it, like, it like hurts him almost oh. to like say these kinds of things. And I'm like, why is he like so angry and like pushing back against like, he like pains yeah. him to like participate in that. And it, and then I'm like, is he not grateful? Does he, will he, how will he know how to be grateful? Mm. And then you start the, questioning. It's our own uh, internal adult spiral. They don't have it. In the moment, they're like, oh, God, this again. And it's like, yeah, this again. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah we're doing this. I know. You totally don't like it. <laughs> right? There's nothing wrong with them, though. But, you know, it brings me back to, oh, my gosh, two years ago, this conversation I had on this podcast with Ralphie Jacobs when um, I don't know the exact quote, but she says something like what your kids do is in a direct reflection on how you've parented them because yes. they're their own unique person. Yes. But we put that on ourselves. Right. Like, the hate thing or whatever. Like I was so down on myself. Like mm. what, what did have I, I do? communicated? Yes. Yeah. It, but it, it's like we – Oh, and Lindsay, that's also if we connect that back to the relationship piece, we're so good at doing that. We internalize all of these things, right? If I see my partner in a grumpy mood, I go into the like, what did mm -hmm. I do? Did I upset them? You know, was it because I wasn't smiling at this moment or like, well, was it right? Like we're just really good internalizers. And that that's that is a human developmental thing that we have to work on, which comes from the ego place, which is self-focused. We are self-focused. And so part of our own work that we have to do is practicing externalization, which is this is who they are. They're having a tough day. Something must have happened with the meeting that they told me about the other day and removing the I and the self from every relationship that we're in. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because we insert ourselves. Like if my husband is being silent or quiet, I'm always like, why are you mad at me? What did I do? And then I want it repaired. Like immediately I want it fixed. I want everybody to be happy. And he like probably just needs to like not talk for three hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't want that. I want to fix right now. And it's okay to not talk for three hours, right? Like if we can yeah. imagine that, like, oh, it's okay for one of my kids to be like, ugh this again, I guess it's sucker. It's okay for my husband to not want to talk for three hours, right? I am lovable. I am enough. I am good. I'm okay in my own self, even if others are gruff or upset or angry. And getting to that place of practicing that is really hard. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Koala Clip for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are not already running with a Koala Clip, what are you doing? It is the easiest way to take your phone with you on the go. I have three and I often give them as gifts for Christmas or birthday presents. They're super simple, easy, inexpensive gifts to give and they just clip to the back of your Razorback sports bra. I oftentimes put my ID and a couple dollars in there as well as, as my car key if I'm driving somewhere to go run. Super easy to access. I've gotten really used to it and they are uh, sweat-free, water-resistant. So if you are sweating like a maniac or you are getting wet from the elements outside, you don't have to worry about your phone staying dry because it will. Uh, trust me, I've used the Koala Clip for many years in many different uh, circumstances with the weather. They also have really cute apparel now as well. I love this sweatshirt that just says runner on it. It is a super soft material. Um, they have really simple styles as well. Last year I got my sister the Grit, Grace, and Gratitude sweatshirt, only $31. Go to koalaclip.com, use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order at Koala Clip. That's koalaclip.com for 10% off your order at Koala Clip. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, here's the last topic we're going to hit on, which is kind of taking us in a different direction. But I think it's important and something that you talk about is, um, you know, okay, I've, I've been married 15 years and there's like, you know, it goes like this, right? Uh -huh. um, As all relationships we, do. Yes, yes. We moved two years ago and that's been pretty challenging. Mm. But um, uh, how do we get 
out of this like cyclical uh, everyday, like you feel like your roommates that a lot of people kind of sometimes fall into when they've been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. I came up with this acronym the other day <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, let me see if I can remember it. I, I, I put it as ICE, I-C-E. So first, intentionality. We need to be intentional in our relationships. And intentionality is is the – think of any really great team that you're on. You don't just come together as a soccer team and then everybody is able to work towards winning a game. You plan meetings. You plan mm-hmm. tryouts. You plan the time that the whole team works together. You have team meetings, right? Like all of these things go into – Soccer. We're actually watching Ted Lasso right now. So like a soccer's on my brain. And then my son is in this total soccer phase where we walk the dog and we're kicking the ball at the same time. So mm-hmm. soccer's on the brain. Um, so intentionality. Schedule a meeting with your partner. And it doesn't have to be a here's the things that you're not doing in our relationship type of list. Do not start <laughs> this way because your partner it's like, you know, one of the best ways to reinforce the behavior that we want from our partner. Sorry, one of the best ways to Get more of the behavior we want from our partners to reinforce it. Give them that positivity, that positive reward of saying, I loved having that meeting with you. I love when you bring me that glass of water. I love when you acknowledged how hard my day was. So have a 10-minute meeting with your partner. I have lots of resources around this. Actually, one of my favorite resources is my 100 questions to deepen your connection. It's on my website. It's drtracyd.com forward slash connect. It's a free guide there. And set 10 minutes in your day just to sit down and ask each other a question. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just a way to explore and get to know the other person's internal world. Roommates are often parallel, but Mm. intimate lovers, we find a way to grow our branches together. The C stands for curiosity, and the Gottmans are great at talking about how we respond to bids for connection, which are things like, you know, if someone says, oh, it looks like it's going to rain today, and instead of you staying on your phone being like, uh, uh-huh, you put, uh-huh. Your phone, <laughs> you put your phone down and say, yeah, what makes you think that? Or, you know, how, how might that affect your day today? Right? So it's like we're constantly turning towards our partner. We're being curious to them. We're wanting to understand what's happening in their world, curiosity. And then E is, I mean, you could say exploration, experimentation, this idea of bringing in something different. It doesn't have to be this like we're jet setting around the world, but it could be let's try a new recipe. Let's do you know I, I tell this story often my husband and I painted the main floor of our house during COVID and we felt mm-hmm. so close and connected because we were completing a project together mm-hmm. maybe even oh and then the other thing we, we learned how to play Ticket to Ride which you know as an adult learning to play a new board game is incredibly hard and there were lots of tense moments the first time and we played it completely wrong the first two times and then we got it <laughs> and it was really fun that was so fun it's just this idea of bringing in newness to shake out of that every day in and out because research shows that parents actually spend less than 30 parents of young children spend less than 30 minutes a day talking and Mm -hmm. that conversation is focused on transactional information hey do you have the splash pants who's making lunch tomorrow do you got drop off no i'll do drop off okay did you give her reactant today for these you know spring allergies Da, da 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 right yeah, I know. It's so it's so challenging. And I find I laughed when you were talking about the phone thing because we both do it to each yes. other and we do it to our kids, too. I know. It's, it's you know, so, it's such an issue, Lindsay. And it's funny because and I have a narrative inside my head where I remember the moment the iPad, we had iPads first before iPhones. I remember the moment the iPad entered our bedroom. And it used to be like the pinpoint of our arguments of like, well, you're on Mm -hmm. your iPad. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm reading. It's like, but you don't pay attention to me. And and it's tough, right? Because there's just so much stimulating, exciting, dopamine, triggering stuff in our phones. And yet if we can find time, and I recommend this to people, if you are feeling like you're in the roommate stage, it's time to put your phone away. Yep, yep. Put it away for 30 minutes before bed. Spend that time connecting with your partner. Um, put it away when you're watching TV. 
You don't need to do two things at once. And actually sit close to your partner. Like touch your feet Mm -hmm. together. Hold hands. But you're not on your phone. Your hands are available. Um, And then also what I really love, and we're not perfect at doing this. The goal is not to be perfect. The goal is just to keep trying, is we put our phones away between 5 to 7 p.m. so we can be attentive Mm. to our kids. And it's hard though, right? It's so easy to be pulled away. It's easiest if you just – it's in a separate room or like in a drawer. Like it's not – visible to anybody yeah um I always wonder like what would it have been like 30 years ago 20 years ago doing this phase of life and sometimes I'm like will I have regret of the time I spent on my phone when my kids were little or x y and z and I've tried to be intentional about it from the get-go but there have been plenty of times where I'm like oh, it was that numbing, you know, like we Mm -hmm. talked about. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always like, what kind of mom would I have been pre all of this like over information in my face all the time, pre constant distractions? Like, would I have just had my nose in books more? Would I, you know, like, what would it, what would it have looked like? Mm. I don't know. It's, Mm -hmm. would it have been more peaceful? I think our brains are just really good at finding other things to do. It's, either way. It's, either, was it the way. magazines? It, I remember my mom had magazines and she was like, same. you know, dog ear the pages and circle same. the things she wanted. Yeah, yeah, right. It was the magazines. It was the knitting. I keep telling myself I need to finish knitting that that project that I have. <laughs> I have to learn how to knit again. Um, it was playing the piano. It was, you know, there there were other things that were there. And we know that our minds are just really good at finding distractions because that's what humans do. We don't like to sit in pain. We try to avoid the pain. We try to avoid hard feelings. And when we do that, circling back to where we started, that's when we suffer. That Mm -hmm. is when we struggle. Instead of feeling the pain of the possibility of turning towards your partner and saying, I really miss you. I'd love Mm -hmm. for us to put our phones in the drawer tonight. That could be a painful response where they say, I don't want to, but we have to do that because that can lead us down the road of feeling closer and feeling more connected. I know this answer is going to differ based on the experience, but like, what's the appropriate amount of time to be able to numb? Like for instance, you know, I had my (laughs) surgery last week, so I'm like, I'm still resting a lot because I'm still like- still in recovery. For sure. Like after this call, I'm for sure going to go lay down on the couch. Um, But ask yourself if it would feel good to just stare at the ceiling for a few minutes before you pick your phone up. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to finish shrinking. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish my show. <laughs> but like I know it's different depending on the circumstances. But, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, like sometimes we just need that. Like sometimes we just need that. Like I don't want to think about anything. I want to numb out with this show. But like at some point we got to get back to business or Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it and so like how do you know when it's been too long Mm -hmm. so I think I hear that desire for control to have the right Mm. answer so then I know (laughs) Dr. Tracy says it's 30 minutes so put your timer on for 30 minutes um I think that if we were to practice listening to our bodies a little bit more throughout the day that you will actually know when you're Mm. done And even if you're not ready to stop, whether it's the next show or staying on your phone, all I want you to do is to say out loud, I notice the urge to stop and I'm not ready to right now. Mm. And so then the other thing we can do is coming back to this idea of listening to our bodies. So during the day, asking yourself right now, huh, when's the last time I went pee? Do I have to go pee? How's my belly? Am I hungry? Is my stomach gurgling? Do I need to put something in there? How's my water? Is my throat dry, right? So I can feel that sensation of needing a sip of water. Do I listen to it and give my body water? That's as simple as it can be to start listening to our needs. And then it can start to grow a little bit more. Right before bedtime, asking yourself, what would feel good for me? What what do I need to be well in this moment? Is it really my phone? Hmm. What if I put it down and could I just notice the urge to want to pick it up rather than actually picking it up? And then when you're on your phone saying to yourself, okay, I'm noticing that I'm scrolling and asking myself, how do I feel as I'm doing this? So the key piece here then is this frequent checking in with yourself and asking yourself, how do I feel right now? There is no right or wrong. 
but normally our bodies will tell us when we've had enough and our job is just to listen to them yeah and that can be in the moment and then as because I'm thinking like post-surgery as time goes on like one week out two weeks out three weeks out when is it time to stop being like I just want to like watch a show and not think about like what my body just went through and what that means for the future and you know all of those conversations in my head Mm. but I love that because if you do those frequent check-ins it's like a short-term thing and a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you keep ignoring what your body needs to process, then that's also going to find ways mm. to bubble up into other places as well. Okay, so we always wrap up with end of podcast questions, and then at the end of that, I give you like, I'm going to ask you what's your message to leave with the audience, so that oh. can kind of like tie up the conversation cool. with a little nice little bow. Okay. Um, but we'll bring in some fun here. That was all very valuable. I loved the ICE acronym. It was so good. Um. What is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, professionally, Mm -hmm. it is the being able to speak in front of a larger audience live. I have done thousands of people online, but gosh, I'd love to do that live. And I say that intentionally because I remember having my first, not my first, but one, a, a panic attack during grad school giving a presentation on social anxiety of all things and the (laughs) urge to want to run out and so professionally I'd like to be able to speak in front of lots of people live and not virtually um thank you the pandemic for that (laughs) but then also personally gosh I would love to be able to um I don't know there's like a lot of body movement stuff that I'd like to do personally like going on a week-long yoga retreat where you just do yoga and sit in silence all day long and go for a 10K race that I have yet to do. I've done the 5K, but not 10K yet. Love it. Uh, What is the best, most recent book you've read? I just finished Hello Beautiful yesterday. Have you heard it? Oh, I've heard. That's so good. Oh, wow. So I went from one book that was written for the character in like the time frame of 48 hours. And then this book was over 48 years in a way. Oh, wow. But finishing it, I'm still wrapping my thoughts around it. But finishing it, it is the internal guilt we feel as humans and around the decisions that we make. Uh, how we wall ourselves up, how we fold ourselves up into boxes and not let ourselves experience hard things, which is ironically exactly what we're talking about here. Um, and then also the importance of how how we tell stories and how important our stories are to who we are today and to who we want to become. So highly recommend it. Yes. I have seen so many people sharing that right now. Here's my numbing book. Nora goes off script. Have you read that? I haven't. No. (laughs) It's so cute. But it's like, it is the easiest, quickest, cute little read. Um, But yeah, I have that on my list for sure. I I think in the last like two days, I've seen like five different people share about it on Instagram. Uh, Do you have a kid's book you recommend? Yeah, I really like Unstoppable Me by Dr. Wayne Dyer. There are a lot of cute stories. There's there's a, a poem-type story about facing hard things in life, like making choices or worry. And then there's some questions in terms of how you can tackle it. It's a fun one with kids. Ooh, what's the age range for that? Mm, probably, I think you could maybe do four, four to eight. Okay. But probably mm-hmm. beyond eight as well. So I'm just trying to think of – I mean, you can always adapt the questions to tell stories. And Do you have a trip or a place that you visited with your family that you recommend? Hmm. That's a tough one. I, I think anything outdoors in nature is a good one. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite little places we went to is one of the parks here in Ottawa. There's lots of green spaces, and there's just these old trees and the kids resisted it and did not want to go. But we said, we're going on a tree hunt. We're trying to find the biggest, oldest tree. And then oh, we fun. just explored. And we were outside and we were climbing trees. It was really fun. Yeah, yesterday when, like, shit was hitting the fan pretty hard, I was like, we just – we should have got out of the house sooner. Mm-hmm. Like, we should have got outside and, like, gone somewhere. <laughs> Says every we parent, asked- right? <laughs> I, I once read somewhere that, like, if you're not outside before 11 o'clock, like mm. your mood is like greatly affected by that. And my kids have been outside playing soccer in the yard and stuff, but I'm like, we needed to just like go be in uh-huh. nature somewhere, uh-huh. you know? Um, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Hmm. 
I think when thinking of what we have talked about today, I think it's acknowledging that we have a lot of choices in terms of how we show up in our relationship. Each each day we have a choice, each moment we can choose to turn towards our partner or we can choose to turn away from them. And that recognizing choosing towards them can be really scary. And at the same time, when we do things that scare us, that come with fear, there can be a lot of reward that comes out of that. Thank you so much, Dr. Tracy. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Tracy, for coming on the podcast. Y'all go follow her on Instagram, Dr. Tracy D over there. Uh, you can find me, I am Lindsay Hines 626 on Instagram. Uh, this podcast is Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram? And of course, you can learn more about our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Leave us a rating and review if you're loving this episode or this podcast and share it with your friends on social media. That is one way you can help us grow. And if you want to support the work behind this show and all the shows in the network, um, you can support at as little as a dollar a month when you go to patreon.com slash Thanks for being here and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?